Hey guys, welcome to the shit show of my 20s. I'm so excited that you guys are here. My name's Sophia. I started this podcast in the beginning of April and I got furloughed at the end of March. And quite honestly, it was so hard for me to comprehend and deal with that. I was like, I have two choices right now. I can start the podcast that I've always wanted to start or I can let this really deter me and start emotional eating and just sit on the couch and do nothing. And I decided to go with the first choice. And I'm so glad that I did because I've got to meet so many inspiring people from all over the world. And I hope that you guys see yourselves in some of these stories because I've just been having so much fun. This has been lighting me up so much. And I'm really glad that I put myself out there and decided to start it. You know, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to start it. And I'm so glad that I just did that. And I know as an introvert, it's been pretty hard to like put myself out there, talk in front of a camera, talk to all these people I don't know. But I feel like this has been such a growing experience for me. And I feel like I need to share that with you guys because maybe there's something in your life that excites you but kind of scares you at the same time. And maybe it's time to step into that. On this episode, I spoke with Angela. I had so much fun chatting with her. We talked about her journey from overcoming trauma, being in an unhealthy marriage, and inner child work. So I hope you guys enjoy listening. So thank you so much, Angela, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. I'd love to start at the beginning. Tell me about your story. Um, thank you so much, Sophia, for having me. Um, so my story begins by being abandoned by my mother at six months old and being raised by my great-grandparents. My mother came back into my life when I was five years old. So I went to go live with her when I was five. And, you know, the man she was married to was very violent towards her. And, you know, we're talking 1985. So nobody got arrested then. You were told to take a walk, you know, to go to the bar. Um, and so she, in order to leave him, she had to leave everything. And we were homeless. And we went to go live in a domestic violence shelter. And then from there, um, my mother met her third husband, who I became very close with. But he ended up going to prison for 7 to 15 years for trying to kill her second husband. So that was really traumatic for me. And then two years later, my mother married her fourth husband. And by this time, it had been too much for me. So she moved an hour from where we where I grew up. And about a year later, I moved back down and moved back in with my father. His wife um, was very physically abusive towards me. And so I got into um, dabbling into drugs at a very young age, running away when I was 12 years old. I ended up putting my own self into a group home so I can show the judge that I needed to be somewhere else. And so then it was a few years of moving back and forth from my mother to my father's house, my aunt and uncle's house, to my grandfather's house, and then back to my mother's when I was 15, a little before my 16th birthday. And um, her and I just have never really gotten along. It's really been a sad thing for me. But she kicked me out when I was 16. And I went to go live with my boyfriend. And my boyfriend was 23 years older than me. And three months into that relationship, I got pregnant with my first child. 
And a year later, I had my second child. And so here I was 18 years old with two kids. I really wanted a different life for them. I didn't want to be a statistic. So I decided we both worked. He worked nights, I worked days. And, you know, this was 23 years ago in upstate New York. So I bought, I bought a house. I bought my first house for like $73,000. Um, and I married him at 18. And I also started a business. So I started a cleaning business very humbly with $10 in cleaning supplies and cleaned, you know, people's huge mansions for $50. And little by little, just saw more and more opportunity and grew that business into a six figure business. So I ended up creating the life I thought I wanted, right? So I had the house, I had the six figures, I had the Mercedes Benz in the driveway, I had even bought um, rental property, so I became a landlord. But I was both physically and mentally sick, you know, so I had a lot of anxiety. Um, You know, I was on different medications for my anxiety. Um, and I also at, in my early twenties was very physically sick. So always, um, tired and swollen glands and just like feeling constantly sick. So I started working with a nutritionist, uh, because my son, my older son had ADD and we were trying to help him and I saw how well she had helped him and, So I started seeing her and I started feeling better and I started getting into this healthy eating and taking supplements and, um, I started feeling a lot better, but I still wasn't feeling a hundred percent better. And so the nutritionist looked at me probably a year and a half into working together. And she said, there's something else in your life that you need to get rid of and you need to figure out what that is. And I knew what she, you know, was talking about, but I needed to really embrace it myself. And I knew that I had to leave this marriage because I had gotten myself into the same situation that every other woman in my lineage got themselves into with domestic violence. So, you know, here I am with a man 23 years older than me, very controlling, very possessive, calling me every 15 minutes. Um, You know, we had an argument and, you know, I tried to get in my car and just drive down the street to cool off. He would get in his car and try to drive me off the road. You know, he put my kids in the car one day and threatened to drive them off of a cliff by our house. And so this is how he controlled me. And I knew that this is what the nutritionist was talking about. Is like, you can't keep doing this. So, but I had three kids by this time. By the time I was 21 years old, I had three kids. So now I'm in my mid to late twenties. And there were two pivotal things in my life that really made me start thinking about my own life. And that was my great grandfather who raised me the first five years of my life died. And I grieved very hard. And he was somebody who, you know, took great pleasure in giving. Right. And he was just such a giver and he raised me and my aunts and uncles and he took little for himself. And I always say now, like he was my own Jesus and my own Buddha right in front of me. And then I had my stepfather who had the man who went to prison for trying to kill my, my mother's second husband. He came out of prison. He was doing well. And then he had invested his money with somebody who 
we still to this day don't know if the person was jerking him around or if he just went berserk. But he um, was involved in a murder-suicide because of that. And so, and that all happened within 12 months of each other. And so I had to really take a look at my life and say, okay, I didn't become the statistic that I didn't want to become, right? Like I was able to, you know, not go on welfare, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it's something that I didn't want in my life. So it's like, I didn't go on welfare. I was able to create a life, a really nice life, quote unquote, for my kids. Um, But am I going to continue chasing money? That's what my stepfather did. And look where it led him, you know, always trying to prove himself, you know, like, hey, I'm not this jailbird. I'm proving myself. Or was I going to be like my grandfather and live differently, live more from the heart? Um, And so that was a really pivotal point. And interestingly enough is when I was about to leave my ex-husband, who was my husband at the time, we had just landed this account with State Farm Insurance Company. So my little cleaning business turned into a fire and water restoration company. And that's where like a lot of the money came from. So I decided I'm not going to leave. Like I waited four years to get this account. So we get the account and my my income just quadrupled like literally from one month to the next. So here I am like rolling in the dough, but I find myself getting sick again because I was chasing the money. You know, it was like I kind of started on this health and wellness path and then here comes the money again. And so I started chasing it. And so about a year and a half after I got that account, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And I remember my aunt had said to me, because I had tried to leave my ex-husband prior, and you have three kids. You can't just get up and leave, you know? Like, you have to put a plan together. And so all I thought was, okay, I want to just switch what I'm doing. I know how to make money. Like, I know how to work hard. I want to go to a culinary school. And so I found the Natural Gourmet Institute, and I wanted to become a plant-based chef. And so, but I had to figure out how I was going to let my, my husband at the time, let me, let me go. So he, I talked him into it by saying, Hey, you know, you're getting older and you can't do this kind of work in your sixties. Like, you know, I love to cook and why don't I go to culinary school and we can start a um, healthy snack bar for kids. And he trusted me because um, even though he was 23 years older than me, he didn't have any money when I met him. Like, you know, I was the reason why he had reached the level of success he did because he had a second grade reading and writing level. So he let me go to culinary school and I live in New York, but outside of New York city, the school was in the city. And so now I'm traveling into the city and I'm just seeing this whole other world. Like there are all of these people and there's all of these opportunities. And, and now I'm really itching to leave. But the plan was I'm not going to leave until after I finished culinary school. That didn't really work that way. I ended up leaving in the middle of culinary school because his aggressive ways were, coming out and he would call me at school and leave me messages threatening me and one day we got out of school like a half an hour early and two of my classmates um had you know said hey you want to go get like calamari and some drinks at the restaurant down the road I'm like yeah sure and so I went 
knowing that my husband at the time would not approve of this. Like, it, you know, to people in a normal relationship, they're like, why? It's four o'clock in the afternoon. To somebody who wants to control you, if he doesn't say it's okay, it's not okay, right? So I go, and here he is calling, right, at 4.30. He knows I get out of work at four, at school at 4.30. So he's calling, and he's calling, and I'm not picking up, and my two friends are looking at me like, why is she not picking up the phone? And they're like, are you ever going to get that? Because it was like one call after the other. So I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. And so I pick it up, and they hear him, like, screaming at the top of his lungs, cursing me out, threatening me. And when I hang up the phone, they're like, how long has this been going on for? And I'm like, since day one. And I, that's when I divulged them. That's why I'm really here. You know, I want to leave after this. And I always say, you never know how your angel shows up in life. And they may not be doing very angelic things. Because from day one, I really clicked with this woman that I later found mm -hmm. out was an escort. And so she knew how to survive. She knew how men were. She knew, you know, and so she said to me, no, you're going to leave today. And I was like, I can't. Like, where am I going to go? My kids. And she was like, stay with me. I said, I can't. They have to go to school. And so my mother and I hadn't talked for about a year and a half, but she was sending me emails here and there. And so she said to me, reach out to your mom. And I was like, we don't have a good relationship. And she's like, it doesn't matter. Like, see if she'll help you. And so I reached out to my mother and said, I have to finally leave. And he wouldn't suspect me being at my mother's house because we would, we didn't talk for a year and a half. And he knew we had a really shaky relationship. So um, I ended up leaving, but I, not till the next day. My ex-husband's nephew helped me leave. He said, I'm going to have him leave the house so you could go in and get your stuff and the kids. Be quick, get your stuff and leave. And my, he even called my culinary school and left a message threatening to kill me. And, and I remember the director of my school called me and said, I begged her not to call the police. Because I, I always say it was still under his spell. It takes a while when you come out of a relationship that, especially I was with him for 13 years, to like undo all of what was done to you. And I begged her not to call the police. And she said to me, you know, I don't know what to do because two years ago, a woman who worked here, I got the same phone call. And she said, and I, we didn't call the police. And he killed her. And um, luckily, I didn't die. But I was in fear of that for many years. So I picked up my kids, went into hiding for several months, finished culinary school, you know, always walking down the street thinking, is he going to pop up at I don't know where we're in New York City. I wouldn't see him. And is he going to do something to me? But at that point, I was like, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die doing what I want to do finally in life. And so I finished culinary school and um, I started, you know, a new career teaching kids and low-income families how to cook and eat healthy for themselves on a budget. And so I started, you know, doing what I wanted to do, living how I wanted to live. Um, and that led me to finding the man that I'm married to now. He's actually the one who gave me my first job. And um, it took a while for me to marry him because I was very hesitant with going into a relationship, especially 
marrying somebody because for me that connected me to, you know, I'm stuck again, right? Even though this man is nothing like my ex-husband. Um, and about a year and a half after, maybe two years after I got divorced, um, one of my children tried to commit suicide and it was four years of one attempt after the other, 13 hospitalizations in four years. And, um, so that led me down the path of, I needed something to help me with my emotions and my, what do I do with all of this? You know, cause I had found out that my ex-husband abused my child. So I was like, what am I going to do with all this? I am angry. I am rageful. I am sad. I am grieving. And that's a lot of intense emotions to have at once. And I had just started six months to this doing yoga and my yoga teacher had his teacher come in and do what they call in, in uh, Eastern philosophy, a, a Dharma talk. And she had done a teaching that was so profound and it was on how nobody can hurt you. And it was just such a profound teaching that when this happened in my life, I was like, who can help me right now? And I thought about this woman. So I ended up calling my yoga teacher and saying, this is what's going on in my life. Is there any way that I could get in touch with your teacher? Because I just want to talk to her. And he's like, yeah, sure. He connected her, you know, us together. And for months, she would get on the phone with me and late at night. And it was funny because she would say to me, man, you know, I feel so bad. I'm sure you're thinking, you must be thinking, I just want things to be different than the way they are. And I was like, yes, this woman, she can read my mind, right? But it's like, no, that's where all suffering comes from is we want things to be different than the way they are. And so she didn't live in New York and she wanted me to take classes in the city where she had taken classes and there were specific classes. And I was like, okay, one day I'll get down there. And I say the universe just will show up when you, you know, it will just show what you need will show up. And so I kept taking yoga classes. That yoga teacher had another teacher come and he was another person who was just really there for me. We did like a three month, like intensive, like meditation training with him, me and my, my boyfriend, who's not my husband and my child. And I said to him, you know, I really want to give back to you. How can I do something for you? And he said, oh, I just wrote a book and I'm going to, I want to go talk about it in the city at two different places, Jiva Mukti or the Three Jewels. And I was like, wait, the Three Jewels, this is where Lindsay told me that I need to go take classes. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go with you to the Three Jewels, you know? And so I went and that led me to the teacher. I, I, my heart, I call him my heart teacher, Hector. And the crazy thing is he didn't know that I knew Lindsay. He didn't know that I was supposed to take these classes, but we got into talking and he said, you should come to my class on Wednesday. And I said, Oh, okay. Well, what kind of class is it? And he goes, Oh, it's called ACI. We're up to course 12. And I said, wait, that's the class that Lindsay wants me to take. Do you know Lindsay Krause? He was like, absolutely. She's a friend of mine. And so I began taking these classes that were really like, you want to talk about mind benders for six weeks. I sat in that class. Like, I don't even understand what they're saying, but I just kept showing up. 
And, and that's what led me down this really deep spiritual path that helped me get through not only my, my current situation, which is what I originally went there to, you know, get help for, but also all of the trauma and the stuff that I had gone through as a child. So, you know, right, like I totally believe that like true healing is a mind, body, spirit thing, you know? So I had the, the body part with, you know, eating healthy and, you know, really following more of a plant-based diet, but I was still struggling. And so this, these Eastern philosophical, you know, meditation, especially and mindfulness and Dharma talks just gave me the missing pieces to what I really needed to like heal. And what was your transition like from being a chef to going into coaching? What was that like? So it's really different because, you know, coaching is a lot of the online world and all of my other businesses, including being a chef was very like just face to face in front of people. Um, And so transitioning into becoming a coach has been, I would say probably the hardest thing because it's like you're, you, it's a, you really have to figure out how to show up for people, right? Like to show up and be like, drink this smoothie is not as vulnerable as showing up and being like, all right, is this person ready to hear this? Like, do I take that leap and tell them this, or I don't know how they're going to react, how they're going to take it. I don't want to hurt people. Um, and I am a very like straightforward or tell it like it is. Cause that's how my teachers were. And I feel like not everyone can handle it and that's okay. But you know, it really takes you to a place of, healing and going deeply within and what's your favorite part about coaching um seeing people get the aha moments and having that transformation in their own lives of you know where things are really coming from and how to really heal themselves and giving people tools because you can't always you know things are going to come up at any point you can't always call your coach or your therapist so I really try to give people tools that when something comes up they could go into their toolbox and use one of their tools and how did you meet your husband so him and I the husband I'm married yes. to now my ex-husband yes yeah. no, no. So him and I actually went to school together since pre-k Um, But it's a funny story because we never, ever hung out or even spoken a word to each other because I always say, like, he was he was like a marching band kind of guy. He was in the marching band. Right. And I I was like the party girl. And those two people just never collide like those two groups. Um, But when I got got divorced, a friend of mine said, what are you going to do now for work? And I was like, I don't know. I got to figure it out. And she was like, do you remember Anthony Accomando? And I was like, yeah, I remember him. And she's like, well, he runs this nonprofit and he does cooking classes there for kids, but he's also the director there and he's opening up a restaurant. I can't imagine that he could do all of these jobs. And so I went to see him and he gave me my first job and honestly wanted to have nothing to do with me because I was still, you know, like, partying and he's just not a partier at all so it wasn't until um we were at a christmas party together at a friend's house that we made plans to go um out to dinner 
And then from that dinner led to, oh, let's go to this place next and that place. And then my friends were like, how is it dating Anthony? And I was like, I'm not. And they're like, really? Because you don't go out with anyone else. And when we ask you to go out, you're always doing something with him. And then I was like, oh, I am dating him. Was that hard to get into that relationship after, you know, experiencing all the trauma with men? Like, how do you heal that? It was very hard. And a lot of people don't get that the hardest part was not so much trusting. The hardest part for me coming from a whole entire background of craziness was being with someone so peaceful and so stable. Someone that's like, you know, not going to flip out on you. You would think like, oh, you like that would be good for you. Right. But when your normal is fighting and screaming and crazy, like it's like you just messed up my normal and I don't know how to function without that. So that's been a huge part of my healing. And that that has been that has been one of the high laugh because it's still even with as much healing as I've done. Like, it's still, you know, uh, more of a challenge for me because you figure if I went 30 years, you know, from birth with craziness, domestic violence, people beating people up, and now I'm with this person who, like, he literally is the type of person that if there's a bug in the room, he won't kill the bug. He'll get the paper and he picks the bug up and puts the bug outside, right? So that's, like, two very extreme different ways to be living, so I appreciate and I like this way much better. But um, and I think that's where a lot of victims get back into attracting and being with the same kind of person that they just left is that they don't have the awareness of I feel comfortable like this, you know, and catching yourself when you're out and, and somebody's coming up to you that's like that person you've been with. It takes a lot of awareness to go, why am I so automatically so comfortable with this it was interesting because just last summer I went on this retreat with this she's not really a therapist she's like a coach she's not a therapist and um it was interesting because it was like 14 of us in this farmhouse in upstate New York and I walked into the room right after I've done all this healing and nobody said a word but I said I'm going to sit next to that guy. I like his energy, right? And this woman was really smart because she was able to show me why I was immediately, without even talking to him, attracted to his energy. So through the weekend, it was like we kind of like stuck together, right? Even though I'm married, it was nothing sexual or anything. It was just like, yeah, I like his energy. And so this woman caught on to it. And so when when we sat down in group again, she was like, Timmy, um, so how are you doing? You know, and she she walked through this reenactment, right? And the crazy thing was, she said to him, he was talking about like something coming up with his ex girlfriend, and she was like, Let, let's reenact this, right? And he ended up picking me as his ex girlfriend. And she was like, okay, Angela, I'm going to be over here talking to Timmy. And she put a rope, like I held one end of the rope and he held the other. And she had somebody else in the group just talking to me. And we were role-playing that we were at a party. And all of a sudden, I'm talking to this other person. And with the rope, this man yanks it. And I go flying in front of his face. And at that moment, I realized, this is my ex-husband. Because that's exactly what my ex-husband would have done. 
And I realized, oh, that's why I picked him, because there's still a part of me that recognizes and feels comfortable with that energy. And that's how so many victims, like we talk so much about rehabilitating the abuser, but it's really the victim and the abuser that both need to get rehabilitated so the cycle stops happening. And what tips do you have um, if you want to start working on inner child work? So inner child work is super powerful, whether you come from trauma or not, because we all have hurt and pain from our childhood, right? Whether like we didn't feel like we were good enough, we didn't fit into a crowd, or we lived in domestic violence. So inner child work, if you wanted to do it yourself, you know, first it, it requires awareness. So it's like when that something triggers you, right? When I say trigger, I mean it activates something in you. You know, a feeling other than happiness, that makes me feel sad, that makes me feel angry, that makes me feel irritated. You have to stop and say to yourself, how do I feel? How is this making me feel? Angry. Okay, so what's, what else does it make you feel besides angry? What's underneath the anger? If you are really honest with yourself. And then it was like, oh, um, I feel helpless. Mm. So when was the last time you felt helpless like that? Like when in your life, not so much the last time, but when in your, in your life, in your childhood, teenage years, childhood, did you feel that sense of helplessness? Oh, I felt it when I would see my mother get beat up. Okay, close your eyes. Now imagine that exact moment and just picture you as a child at that age. What did you need? And then you as your adult self walk up to your child self and give your child self what it needed. Well, at that point, I needed someone to pick me up and hug me and take me out of there. I needed somebody to, you know, comfort me and tell me that I was going to be okay, that I was protected. And so that that's something that I do very often in my own life. And I walk my clients through of going back to that time when they felt like that. What did you need? You know, what did you emotionally need somebody to do for you that you didn't do? Um, and work with that part of yourself. I want to talk a little bit about your mastermind and like what benefits have you noticed from being in a mastermind? Yeah, so this has been one of the biggest investments that I've made in myself is joining this mastermind. Um, it has really helped me get clarity, be consistent. Um, and it's also just given me a lot of, like, I wouldn't know how to pitch to podcasters or, you know, I've learned a lot about when I write to my audience. Um, if there's a lot of accountability, um, and you also learn a lot when we do our group coaching together from other people. So it's kind of like, yeah, you have your coach that you're paying, 
but I feel like there's also like little mini coaches, right? So like one person said, oh, um, you know, do you have a, a media kit? And I was like, no, I didn't, I don't even know what a media kit is. And she like walked me through it and I actually paid her to do a media kit, you know, other people in the course have taken other courses so I can ask them, Hey, when you're launching a product, like how far in advance do you do it? And how many emails and posts do you send out about it? So it's like you have your main coach, but then there's also kind of like this support group. Um, and then I've also offered to other people the things that I've known. So it's like there's just all this information and knowledge where in the past I've taken online courses usually based upon like how to grow Instagram, but that's all you're learning. So in a mastermind, um, you know, it really gives you a lot of information from a lot of different perspectives and good stuff like, oh, this didn't work for me and I learned this and I learned that. So it's, it's, I, I was telling my husband, it's like, it's like getting your master's degree in business. And what advice would you give your 20 year old self? <laughs> leave, leave. <laughs> um, <laughs> the advice I would give my 20 year old self would be, love is not out there. You need to stop. And I would actually give my 20 year old self Louise Hayes book. You can heal your life and say, please, please, please go very slowly with the choices you make in life because they will roll out into the rest of your life. So really go slow. Don't listen to what people say. Listen to your heart and find a way to do what it is you want to do. Because I had dreams, you know, and I actually wanted to go to college. But my mother kept saying to me, where are you going to get the money for it? Where are you going to get, where are you going to get the money for it? You know, and I wish I would have just went to my principal or my teacher and said, how can I get money? I want to go to college because I didn't know anything about student loans, financial aid and things like that. My life would have been completely different if I didn't marry that man. And is there any questions that you wish I would have asked you? <laughs> um, boy, that's a good question I didn't think about. <laughs> um, maybe um, how does how does one start on a spiritual path, and mm -hmm. why do they need one? Okay, can you answer that? <laughs> sure. So I would say to, I would say it's important to have a spiritual path, um, no matter what it is, because it gives you tools and it gives you um, a foundation and a place to turn to when you need help, when you're hurting, right? It doesn't matter what spiritual path it is, because for me, it actually started as a born again Christian and ended in Buddhism. I don't consider myself a Buddhist but it ended in Eastern philosophy um, and I would say start by being curious start your spiritual path by just being curious hmm, what is this book you know and that's what that's where my pivot came from is here I am a born-again Christian there it I wasn't really 
getting enough tools. It was more like all the bad things were going to blame on the devil. All the good things were going to blame on God. And I needed something more than that. And so I walked into a metaphysical store till this day. I don't know how I found it. And I picked up this book and started just reading it and doing the simple act of mirror work, which is looking at yourself in the mirror, looking at yourself in the eyes, saying, I love you. I love you just the way you are. I really, really love you. And it sounds so like kind of stupid and simple, but it is really powerful because you really can't, like you won't put in any type of real work if you don't really love yourself. And where can people connect with you? Uh, so you can find me. Uh, everything is just my name. So it's AngelaAcomando.com, um, Angela Accomando on Instagram and Facebook. I do a lot of stuff on Instagram and a lot of stories. Um, so, yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank-, thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.